Blue Wire. Hello, everyone. Welcome to That's What B Said. I'm Brittany Mollis at Bird's Eye View, and I'm joined tonight by my fabulous fill-in host, Meredith Kane at MK on Sports. How you doing, Meredith? Doing well, Miss B. How are you doing? You know what? I'm pretty sad tonight. It's my last oh, what's night. That? It's my last night in Florida. I'm burnt. I'm emotional. <laughs> and we've been trying really hard to lure you back to Ohio. Like I've uh, I know me and one of our other friends were just constantly trying to bribe you <laughs> to come back to the great white north up here. Yeah, my we had to send in reinforcements. My dad came down to to rescue me from Florida this I, week. Yeah, I, I want I, th- I want to say I think Bree actually sent Jerry on a rescue mission. <laughs> like, but based on the pictures you're posting, I don't know if he's going to come back at this point either. I'm he hasn't been in this good of a mood in like my whole life. Like, did you see that picture of him holding up the rainbow today? Yes. He's oh my goodness jerry is living his best life down here we might just not come back at all i don't know please come back ohio misses you i miss you oh a lot i I know i I know brie misses you brie so speaking of brie guys unfortunately she's out of town this week so i'm sure this episode (laughs) is about to go off the rails because she's like our point guard i'm more of like i'd say i'm more of like a shooting guard where i just come in and and shoot terribly but (laughs) you know i try my best i try to be i don't know what would i be i'm like really bad at the basketball analogies but i don't know like what position i would play i think it would be um i don't know maybe i'm like the tristan thompson where i should be better than i am (laughs) and every once in a while i just play so well (laughs) i don't know you get those boards you can be the person so yeah. yeah, we're missing our point guard tonight. So get ready. This is going to be a disaster. <laughs> <laughs> also, I think my brain's not working properly. So this is going to be fun. And it's suntanned. <laughs> it's something. Um, yeah. You put together the rundown. Usually I do the rundown every week. But this week Meredith did it because I was busy all day um, getting toasted. So... Get, there's a lot of baseball guys yeah i mean and i'm just angry about things and i think that was just like <laughs> you know when we were talking earlier today and you're like uh can you put down a rundown i'm like yeah so i'm like let me type out and write down all of the things that are making me mad this week <laughs> that's what we're gonna talk about i mean that's pretty much what i do i go yeah. oh, okay who made me mad this week <laughs> boom 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 there we go that's how the rundown is made that's all you know this radio stuff man <laughs> I mean, that's really, that's really like what it comes down to is, you know, what are like, what's happening and what do you have a strong opinion on, you know, and there's a lot of strong opinions going around this week. So we've got uh, Miles Garrett back in the news, Mason Rudolph, not far behind, Uh, John Beeline, that's going to be, that's going to be a doozy to get into. And then. Uh, we've got, yeah, baseball, because a but, lot of baseball things made me mad. You like all my sound could... effects for these things? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we don't even need a soundboard. We just got Brittany right. doing sound effects. Hey, Brittany, be... baseball. <laughs> <laughs> hey, Brittany, football guy. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> I thought you were going to... Trunk testicles. <laughs> <laughs> What's up? Coded language. Actually, that sounds Damn. more like a surfer guy. 
<laughs> so, I, think, I, think, I, I got them mixed up. see i'm i've spent way too much time in the sun i can't be yeah, this person that's, anymore that's what i'm thinking yeah just too, too much beach time but yeah we'll we'll get into the miles garrett stuff so he he's back in the news uh he went on outside the lines with mina kimes on saturday morning and pretty much doubled down on uh the comments that he made about mm-hmm. mason rudolph using a racial slur um and reiterating that he said that uh he said uh you stupid n-word was the language that miles garrett you used and then um and then one of the things that he did say that i'm really glad that he did i mean it was definitely a pr thing um but he did say that one of the reasons why he didn't come out immediately with um with the accusations is that he didn't want it to excuse his actions because Mm -hmm. he even admits that what he did was inexcusable and it was like that there's no place in the world for you know that kind of violence and he understands that and uh, i think i saw somewhere that he had said something to john dorsey right away but i think it was also one of those where he didn't really want it to get out because uh, you know again i think he's I'm, let me rephrase that. I know he's insanely embarrassed by what happened. And I know that, you know, if he could take it back, he would. But, you know, he doesn't want these um, racist accusations to excuse anything. So that's, mm-hmm. you know, the what boils down to that interview that he had um, on Outside the Lines. And then Mike, Mike Tomlin spoke. And then, well, Mason Rudolph tweets oh my gosh false accusations mason rudolph's lawyer uh threatens to sue miles garrett for defamation of character i kind of hope that he does uh because we were talking about this a little bit before we started recording in that the audio we all know that there's audio like there's no doubt for sure um but you know the only way it's ever going to be released is you know in a situation like a lawsuit because then you have a court order and you have to turn it over mm-hmm. so i kind of want i kind of want mason rudolph to sue i think that would be the best case scenario if there is a best case scenario in the situation that would be it just because i i said the other day like the nfl if they wanted to they could put this to bed one way or the other we could know the truth we all know that there's audio out there. Like, they really think they're pulling a fast one on us saying, yeah. oh, no. You know, he, he's the only quarterback that didn't have, you know, a mic that game. And convenient. All these really convenient things happened so that we don't have audio. But there, it's there. We know it's there. It was, it, was on a, it was a Thursday night game. You know, everyone was, I think Kareem Hunt might have been mic'd up that day. Like, this is a normal thing to have mics in there. So if the NFL wanted to to say, okay, let's put an end to this, someone's lying and someone's telling the truth. And I have a feeling that they probably know. Um, but it's it's such a it's such an ugly situation that there's really there's no winners and losers here. But the one that stands to lose the most, I think, is the NFL in general, right? Yeah, because the just the optics of it looks really bad. Right. Um, so if you're looking at things from a an objective NFL perspective, if the, there's audio proof that Mason Rudolph didn't say it, then Miles Garrett looks bad. If mm-hmm. there is audio proof that that Mason Rudolph did say it, then that looks like either way. So for right. the NFL, they're looking at this situation, saying you know we're in a bad spot either way because we've got this number one draft pick from 2018 who has this you know just has this charismatic personality that everyone is drawn to and he's got you know some of the 
biggest potential in the NFL. He's one of the most talented guys in the NFL. Like there's a reason he was taken first overall. And Mason Rudolph is, you know, a third round pick on a good day or, you know, excuse me, a third, third string QB <laughs> on a good day. Well, or so you know, maybe third round pick if you're being yeah. generous. <laughs> <laughs> I, you know, I was thinking, so this past uh, NFL draft that was in Nashville, I thought it was so funny when you had people that were like hanging around Broadway for like the sixth round. And I'm like, my God, those people are either super dedicated NFL fans or they're just really drunk tourists that don't know what's going on. Um, so wait a second. Maybe you're both. not going to hang around till the sixth round uh, when it's in Cleveland in a few years. When is that? Um, no, two. 2021 so it's going to be in vegas yeah so it'll be in vegas this year uh and cleveland in 2021 um i will be there but probably just because it's required of my job so uh if i were going huh will you take me with you yes like can you sneak me in somewhere Oh yeah, yeah. By then, I'll wear a wig and everything. Nobody yeah. will even know. <laughs> well, yeah, we'll 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 definitely get you in. That'll be fun uh, for sure. But yeah, that's. <laughs> but yeah, this this whole thing is just bad for for the NFL. And then um, one of the things that I thought was very interesting was Mike Tomlin going on ESPN a day or two after Miles mm-hmm. um, Garrett did, and that's that's huge. Uh, just because Mike Tomlin, he's he's not very open with the media. Um, mm-hmm. You know, he'll speak when he has to during the season, but he's not required to speak in the offseason, and he doesn't, um, and right. he never really has. So the fact that he is not only coming out in the offseason and speaking publicly, but he's doing it on TV, on ESPN, I think that speaks volumes for his support of Mason Rudolph because there's no way someone of that stature would put his reputation on the line for right. Mason Rudolph if he tr- if he really thought that, you know, that Rudolph said a racist term. So, like, I mean, and especially you look at just what's happening here and you have, you know, a black coach defending this white quarterback over something that a black player says that he heard something horribly offensive and terrible Mm -hmm. and should never be said so i mean i don't even know how how, where to begin with that because i know because you're the you're the mike tomlin stan on the the podcast here he's your guy he's your guy I've said before I have a love-hate relationship with him. That's true, yeah, because he'll do things that make you like really respect him, and yes. then and then he does things that really piss you off. Like, like my biggest my biggest beef with him right now is, dude, why were you even like throwing the ball when there was what like yes. eight seconds left? Why, why, Mike? Tell me that. Answer me that, sir. Why were yeah, you? Because it didn't matter. You were down by two touchdowns. You weren't going to do anything. So you know and, what? Yeah, Meredith, this is all Mike Tomlin's fault, really, if you look at it. It is. And that's what we covered, uh, I think, like the day after it happened. I think that was another day that Brie was out and it was just you and I. And we were kind of or maybe Brie was here, but we were like retracing the steps. And it all came back to Mike Tomlin calling this play with eight seconds left down two touchdowns. Like you really think you're going to like you really think Mason Rudolph is going to score two <laughs> touchdowns in like in eight seconds. seconds. <laughs> you know, so yes, that interview, though, was kind of weird, wasn't it? Like, people were making jokes. They're like, Mike Tomlin, blink twice if you can <laughs> Just the way he was. Like, his his whole demeanor was... I mean, I don't know if that's how he normally is. Because, again, like you said, I don't see him talk a whole lot. I don't see him do a whole lot of interviews. So, like, watching that 
you know, the way he was like looking at the camera and stuff, it all just felt very weird. And I was sitting here thinking, I was like, you know, I mean, everyone, everyone has a price, right? <laughs> yeah. So I don't, who are we to say? Yeah, I mean, unless he kind of knows, like, this whole situation is my fault and I'm trying to, like, make it right by sticking up for my <laughs> practice squad quarterback. <laughs> so. I mean, you know, this is it. These are his boys. You know, yeah. did he ever say anything about, like, Ben Roethlisberger? Did he ever make comments or public? did he ever defend him in any way? I don't know. Do you, do you remember that? <sighs> I don't remember and I feel like that that means probably he either didn't or they were just coach speak no comment type thing uh, because okay. I feel like if Mike Tomlin had made comments about Ben Roethlisberger then th they're ones that would have stuck in our heads you know because right. this is something that's going to stick in our heads for a really long time things like when, yeah. when Hugh Jackson comes up for his press conferences after a Browns loss talking about I'm going to look at the tape i'm gonna drive the bus <laughs> you know these things stick with you so that leads me to believe that he either didn't say anything or he was very diplomatic in how he did answer it and probably just said like oh i'm gonna stick with on-field questions something like that so yeah. i don't i mean i'll probably wind up looking it up after this but yeah i don't i don't recall tomlin saying anything after the ben roethlisberger stuff came to light so yeah i feel like i would have because like i followed that really closely that whole situation and even now mm -hmm. like you know i make snarky little comments about ben <laughs> pretty often still because i don't want people to forget you know yeah if, if i could do one thing to just remind people of something <laughs> i sound so evil <laughs> if i could just do one no. thing to remind people of something terrible i'm gonna do it <laughs> No, I mean, it's not bad. I think it's, I want to see it's more like, it's like vigilante justice. Like that, exactly. like you're, you're, you're Twitter Batman over here. Yes, thank so. you. Oh my God. I'm going to put that in my bio now. Yes. I will. Twitter Batman. <laughs> vigilante justice. <laughs> but to be fair, I'm pretty consistent. Like I do the same thing with Jameis Winston. Although like his jokes just write themselves at this point. Like oh, he yeah. became 30 interceptions. 30 touchdowns like I don't even yeah. know where to begin with him he just had LASIK surgery I know I'm, I'm jealous I wish I could get LASIK surgery screw these yeah, glasses they make me so mad yeah so yeah. I mean I, I'm actually like interested to see a if the Buccaneers sign him or if he winds up in with another team and whether or not the LASIK was actually a problem because I mean if you go back and even watch his film in college he's like constantly squinting and I'm looking at him and I'm like I'm like I feel you on that like I don't have the worst eyesight in the world but you know when I'm not wearing my glasses or contacts I'm definitely like squinty McGee so yeah, yeah. one of those goggles you know like basketball <laughs> players like the prescription goggles yeah that they wore in like the 70s yeah that oh, and, would be cool and what they make <laughs> I, I still think that like elementary school kids wear those because like my um both of my nephews play sports one six and one seven or something like that and the the younger one played football and he had those little prescription goggles and he looked so cute aren't they the cutest and he also yeah. got like he also got like four rushing touchdowns in one of his last games so i don't know maybe james winston should go <laughs> for uh for for the sport goggles there um, we go but getting back to uh, Miles Garrett and then another, I guess, another layer to this story. This morning, Aditi Kinkabala uh, came out and I don't want to say that she necessarily defended Mason Rudolph, but she very definitively said there's no audio. Mm -hmm. um, and she also made the point of, you know, if the NFL is hiding audio, it looks like they're trying to protect 
Mason Rudolph and why would the NFL, you know, protect a practice squad quarterback over a, a first round pick? Um, and that was kind of something that she rallied on. And initially I was very, I, I disagreed with her very harshly on that one, but just because mm-hmm. I'm like, they're not protecting Mason Rudolph. They're protecting themselves and their reputation yes. and guarding themselves from the PR disaster that will inevitably happen if this audio is released. But then I'm also thinking, and I floated this theory to a few of my coworkers and everyone, no one really commented on it. They just kind of gave me this look. My conspiracy theory surrounding Aditi's comments is because she very clearly said the league wouldn't protect Mason Rudolph over Miles Garrett. And to me, little Miss Tinfoil hat over here, because I love a good conspiracy Ooh, theory. Like yes. that's like that's why I watch all those stupid alien shows on on the History Channel and like the ghost shows on Travel Channel. Like I love those things because I'm yes. like all about I'm all about conspiracy theories. I'm almost reading that as her very plainly saying, I have heard the audio. Maybe she hasn't heard the audio, but there is audio and it's not in Miles Garrett's favor. Um and that's almost how I was reading that because like we said earlier in the podcast, if there's audio if the audio gets released and there is no clear audio of mason rudolph using the n-word then miles garrett looks so so bad so and and i'll preface this by saying i believe miles i -hmm. do not believe that miles garrett is a liar but there is a very real possibility that in the heat of the moment he thought he heard something and that Mm -hmm. set him off because if it was something that sounded like that word or something that could have been interpreted as that word it's going to make him lose his mind and then mason rudolph who knows what he said claims that he didn't say it you know because that i mean and that's where the sticky part of the situation can come in because i could absolutely see that as the situation being miles garrett thought that he heard something mm-hmm. miles and, and mason rudolph didn't actually say what he thought he said and then that just makes this whole situation even uglier so i'm almost thinking that the nfl is hiding this audio to protect miles if that's the case I think they're honestly they're just protecting it to or they're hiding it to protect themselves because if the the best case scenario here is a he said he said situation and then it just mm-hmm. eventually dies and anytime you're in a situation like that man that's a bad one like it really let's is. just let it die on speculation and this is such a this situation is so much more than you know when she said oh well why would they want to protect you know um mason when they could protect miles like it's not about protecting anyone they're just they're a business they're a billion dollar business they're protecting themselves so (laughs) unless mason rudolph if he goes through and decides that he wants to to sue him for defamation at that point i'll consider that you know maybe miles misheard him or you know maybe it just never happened and i'd hate to believe that because i do believe miles garrett and it's yes. not because, you know, we're just Brown super fans and we don't think our players will do anything wrong. Um, you know, Kellen Winslow Jr., he was my favorite player. He was my favorite Browns player. And that's mm-hmm. super hard for me to admit now because of all the, the horrendous things that he did. Yeah. Once I find out somebody did something terrible, I'm like, okay, you're done. Like, I, I will never cheer for anyone like that. Dead um, to me. Yeah, dead totally dead i he's the only jersey i've ever owned from the browns isn't that terrible? oh really wow yeah. i know i um but, i almost yeah. bought my dad a johnny manzel jersey as a joke because it was like four dollars it was so i was at a mall in 
of in Baltimore, Maryland, of all places. I don't even want to get into why I was in Baltimore, but I was in Baltimore and I was at a mall and I was trying to buy a, a gift for one of my cousins and I saw Johnny Manziel jersey on the clearance rack for four dollars and I almost got it for my dad as a joke, but I refrained <laughs> because my four dollars is better spent at like Starbucks or something like that. <laughs> yeah, the thing with Miles is that it's not because we're Browns; it's because we because we watch this team and we follow these people you know whether it be on social media or we pay attention to their interviews obviously like we kind of get a view of these players that other fans of other teams they might not get this sort of insight or not even care to but we do that's our player you know he was a high pick you know everyone was on board we he has a, a great future ahead of him so you know we we do invest in him a little bit more and we see you know the stuff that he does, the stuff that he he's into, his hobbies, you know, he likes writing and poetry and... Um, he likes he anime that, and dinosaurs. Yeah, and dino- he was wearing, on um, that interview, he was wearing a Stranger Things t-shirt. Yes. Um, you know, in this this off-season, he's doing the Water Boys thing, um, the charity work. He's going to, to East Africa to get them water. I mean, like, this is the kind of person that we see. So, yes, it, and it's not it has nothing to do with, oh, he's our player, so we have to defend him. No, we're not going to do that. But we see a, a softer, gentler, you know, nicer side than most people do. So that's why we're we get in line to back him up, and that's why we're likely to believe his story because we see his character in a way that other fans don't. Yeah, and this is also a person who, like, two or three weeks prior to this Pittsburgh game, was literally punched in the face. Yes. In the middle of downtown Cleveland, like someone like and I cannot believe this happened. And I wish I knew who it was because I, I mean, I don't know. I probably wouldn't do anything, but I would just sit there and seethe in the corner. But mm-hmm. yeah, this someone comes up to my, they see Miles Garrett in his car, come up to him and say, hey, I'm a huge fan. Miles Garrett rolls down the window and then the guy punches him in the face yes. and Miles Garrett doesn't react. But then he makes a joke about it on Twitter later. Right. Like, he could have killed this person if he wanted to. Yes. Well, who, what kind of balls do you have to have to punch Miles Garrett in the face? Like, yeah. <laughs> nope. Like, oh, my God. It just... <laughs> oh, God. That's that's your... I've got balls voice. <laughs> I bet he was driving a pickup truck, too. I would bet my life on it. No doubt. Yes. No Football doubt. guy wanted to <laughs> prove how tough he was by punching the biggest guy in downtown Cleveland, which happened to be Miles Garrett at the time. So yeah, like yeah, and I, I agree with a hundred percent with everything that you're saying and, and why we fall in line behind Miles is you know the people who know him personally, like I've interacted with him before, and he's just he's always been the kindest person, and you know nobody ever has anything bad to say about him. So this is just yeah. something that's completely out of character, which is why I believe him. Um, but then, you know, the fact that Aditi was so adamant in what she was saying and the fact that Mike Tomlin came out of, you know, whatever cave he lives in during the off season <laughs> and went on TV, like those are the things that sort of put a little bit of doubt in my mind that Mason Rudolph actually said a, a racial slur. But like I said, I will forever believe Miles, even if there's audio released that pr- that proves Mason is innocent. I'm still going to believe Miles Garrett because I think he heard something. Even if yeah. it wasn't something that was said, I think Miles heard something. So, you know. Yes. I'm with you. Yeah. Call us a super fan. Call us stands on that one. I don't care. Like, we stand behind Miles That's on this right. podcast. So. We're with you, Miles. Come on the show. 
<laughs> oh my god that would be amazing so <laughs> speaking of people that at least britney likes to stand behind let's, oh, let's no. talk about the cavaliers oh no let's Why talk you about your <laughs> let's talk about your favorite team in cleveland <laughs> um God, I don't even know where to start with this team. Um, Let's talk about how John Beeline is about to forfeit $20 million to get out of this job. I mean, that's that's a lot. Like $20 million. Well, like, imagine what you could do with $20 million. And he, it, It's not worth it. Remember I said everyone has... We were talking about Mike Tomlin. I said everyone has a price. Mm-hmm. Apparently, John Beeline's more than $20 million. <laughs> I mean, can you... I would, I would coach the Cavs for like a thousand dollars yeah and we have what like eight weeks maybe left in the regular season of yeah. of the nba and if he was going to get fired at the end of the season you know wait it out get fired get paid like how many how many coaches right. are the cavaliers paying that don't currently coach in the nba <sighs> or coach for the cavaliers like they are paying out millions of dollars to coaches that no longer work in the organization like john beeline if he had just stuck out the next eight weeks he'd be on that list and i'm so disappointed that this didn't work because like i was so excited for this whole thing you know like i knew it was going to be rough i knew that this was going to be a painful year but like the fact that i think i'm most bummed about we had a plan and <laughs> and now we don't they have to like start from scratch and I guess on one hand, it's like, okay, well, if you have a plan and it's falling apart, do you really want to stick with it? And I get it. Uh, the the players never really seem to be fully on board with it from the beginning. Um, I, I've heard from people uh, that, you know, reporters and stuff that, you know, spent time in the locker room that even the young, it wasn't just the vets who weren't on board with you know all the time that the beeline was spent on like fundamentals and doing all the stuff that you do in college that works in college that doesn't necessarily transition well to the nba and he he was super laser focused on these things and he kind of lost the players early on so i understand um but you know i i read today this colin sexton 21 years old, he just turned 21 this, he's about to be on his fourth nba coach that's crazy. Like, I mean, that's almost like, you know, Baker Mayfield with his coaches in the NFL, because yeah. I mean, and this is kind of what this reminds me of, is that this reminds me of the Sashi Brown, the Hugh Jackson, where mm-hmm. Sashi Brown says, OK, this is my plan. And Hugh Jackson says, I don't want to do that anymore. And I think that's really what happened with a lot of these you know, with a lot of the things with the Cavs. So you have Kevin Love, who supposedly was told when he signed his four-year contract, by the way, we're going to be rebuilding. You need to be on board with that. Kevin Love says, yeah, I'm on board with that. And then, you know, a third of the way through the season, he sees what an actual rebuild looks like. And he's like, oh, no, I don't want this. This is not what I wanted. Um, And I think that's kind of what's happening with John Beeline as well, as I think John Beeline was told certain things and laid out a plan. Um you know, at the beginning of the season, and he said, okay, let's get at it. And now that the plan is coming to fruition, John Beeline says, I don't want to do this. And yeah. I really think that's what it comes down to is that, you know, Kevin Love, Tristan Thompson, like the older guys on the squad, Larry Nance Jr., like they don't want to be treated like children or treated like college players. And then you've got mm-hmm. the kids that are straight out of college, like Colin Sexton and Darius Garland and, and Kevin Porter Jr., who are coming into this saying like, hey, this isn't this this is supposed to be the NBA. This doesn't mm-hmm. feel like the NBA to us. And so I think that the young guns were 
very impressionable. And so when you have the veterans on the team that are just not on board and not in line, like I, I feel like the the young guns are going to fall in line with the veterans before they fall in line with the coach. Yeah. I mean, like at this point, and then they released something. Actually, I don't even know who released it. I just read it. And it said, oh, well, this was all kind of like part of the plan. They were going to, you know, um, let Bickerstaff take over anyway. And this was just, you know, he was sort of showing him the ropes and stuff. So I <laughs> I don't think this was part of the plan, guys. It's never part of a plan where your head coach just says, you know what, I'm Keep your 20 mil. I'm just going home. Oh like, that's God. not a plan. Can he, can he like, take that 20 million and, like, give it to the Dolans and be like, this can be for Francisco Lindor. Like, because you claim that you don't have any money, you billionaire sports right. team owners. Oh, my God. So, uh, I don't know if there's much more that, you know, that we can really... The Cavs are a very frustrating situation, especially since... Um, they're looking like the Browns and I've heard this on you know multiple radio shows I've seen this topic on Twitter because now this is the you know it's the new um can Alabama beat an NFL team hack take is you know are the Cavs more dysfunctional than the Cleveland Browns um and I think they're both dysfunctional but in very different ways for sure i'd say at this point yes the Cavs are more dysfunctional because like i said at least at the beginning of the year they had a plan going into it you know it was a rebuild got it like that's fine you know it's it was a necessary evil it's what had to happen um but it it sucks that now you know they they hired this coach and we're gonna go back to basics and fundamentals. That didn't work. It didn't translate well. It didn't mesh well with the the rookies or the vets. So now, you know, you have a coach quitting with you know a month and a half left, maybe two months. Um, and you know, I always say that, that Dan Gilbert is my favorite owner. I always say that of the mm. three, Dan Gilbert, I stand him. And Meredith. <laughs> are you having are you having trouble are you start are you starting to are you gonna like freezing cold takes yourself on this one i'm not gonna do it because i still think um they're all like terrible for different reasons all three of them mm-hmm. but i feel like i feel like kobe altman has a very 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 hard job okay imagine yeah. like i think working for dan gilbert is probably a lot like working for michael scott where you get most of your work done where he when he has nothing to do with any of it. Like he and he'll come up with these ideas. He'll it has been a these... while since we've yeah. had a good office reference. I mean, that's a good one cuz if you think about it, man, I'm t- it's got to be real close. I f- I feel so bad and you know I just can't imagine there's a harder job in most of because it, think about Kobe. Like his professional he's trying to build he's you know, young maybe in his late 30s i think gm of the Cavs stepped in he had you know ginormous shoes to fill um and you have to work for dan gilbert who i the pros of dan gilbert are that he's passionate that's actually kind of a con too so that can go in both categories he's willing to spend money um he wants to win he really does like at his core that's his he wants this team to be as good as he can the problem is he doesn't he can't separate from 
I don't know him, obviously. I've never talked to him. But, like, mm-hmm. just looking at him as a person, I don't think he can separate good ideas from bad ideas. Okay? So he just gets super passionate about any idea that he has, and then he just puts it out there. And poor Kobe Altman has to be, like, the middleman between this, you know, crazy, passionate, you know, maybe a little bit insane person. And then, you know, he has to also build a team from scratch after probably the greatest basketball player ever leaves for the second time. Yeah. And, you, know, and- you, have to, you have to have enough players in there that fans will like that they'll even show up. So you, he has to direct all these things. And, you know, I, I think out of every – all the GMs, he definitely has the hardest job of all the Cleveland GMs. And, you know, Dan Gilbert, man – you're making yeah, it look bad. I, and I think the the most packed that um, that Rocket Mortgage Fieldhouse has been this season was right before the All-Star break when the Pelicans came to town because everyone wanted to see Zion Williamson play. So, oh, you mean when I Colin mean... Sexton dunked on Zion? Was that game? <laughs> yeah. The hi- AKA the highlight of my life. Yeah. Well, I mean, he did. Colin Sexton did pretty well in the Rising Stars game, too. I think he had, uh, what was it, 20, 23 points, uh, like nine rebounds and five assists or something like that. Although... Yeah, I mean, look, his five assists when like there's actual good players around him. I mean, Meredith, who would have thought? I know. Although, let's be real. He, okay, so, like, the Rising Stars is the only thing that I watched uh, from NBA All-Star Weekend, and (laughs) Colin Sexton kind of looked like, I mean, he was the kid that was picked last on the playground, uh, Mm because he was an alternate, but he also looked like the kid that was picked last on the playground. Like, he had some really, really good hustle, but you just see him running up and down the court trying to get his teammates' (laughs) attention to get them to pass the ball, and they're just ignoring him. And I felt so bad. I know, because I'm looking at him, and I was like, he was the kid who was picked last, and he looks like the kid on the playground that nobody wants to play with, but you have to have him on the team to, like, fill things out. He's, like, the most disrespected player in the league, I think. My little little baby. But to be fair, like, any time he got his hands on the ball in that game, he didn't pass either. So, I don't know, maybe it was retaliation because his teammates weren't passing to him. But then again, if you, like, he doesn't really pass that much in general. I think he's allergic to passing. That's fine. That's because he's a (laughs) shooting guard, everyone. He's a shooting guard. I'm going to repeat that until I I can't (laughs) breathe anymore. Uh, is that going to be the next t-shirt? Yes. <laughs> it's just going to say, he's a shooting guard. <laughs> no one's going to know what that means, except for our loyal <laughs> listeners of this podcast. Yes. All right. So um, I think we can move on to the other yeah, thing. I don't want to spend any more time on that. It's depressing and it bums me out. And this just means that it's going to take even longer. And I'm not ready for that. I'm not, I'm not ready to rally the troops for this, Meredith. Yeah, it's I mean, and it's a tough rally, too, because you've you've got the same job that, you know, Kobe Altman has in a way where you're trying to be positive when you know that you're going to be losing. And it, yes, it's very I am basically Kobe Altman. Yeah, that's the nicest thing anyone's ever said. To me. <laughs> <laughs> Comparing my life to Kobe Altman's in any way is the nicest thing anyone's yeah. ever said to me. <laughs> All right, so the third thing that really pissed me off this weekend was uh, Rob Manfred. Uh, he did an interview. Like, everyone went on ESPN this weekend. Like, I don't know why I wasn't. Oh, actually, I, I know why I wasn't on ESPN this weekend. But <laughs> Rob Manfred does this interview on ESPN, which I, I will be honest, I shut it off after about 15 minutes because it was the most disrespectful bullshit I have ever heard ever in my life. And 
he made Roger Goodell look good. Like, how bad of a commissioner do you have to be to make Roger Goodell look good? So he's so he's speaking out about the Astros cheating scandal and he just he defended his position about not suspending the players, essentially giving them a hall pass. Uh, and he put all of the blame on the GMs, saying that the GMs didn't pass along the information about the sign stealing technology, which is garbage, you know, which is why AJ Hinch gets cut and, you know, and, and all that other whatever. And Jose Altuve is still playing and Alex Bregman is still playing and their apologies were bullshit, too. But, you know, Rob Manfred is trying to defend it and it's just sounds like garbage. He referred to the tr- the trophy itself literally the commissioner's trophy as a quote-unquote piece of metal and i'm like how can you just degrade something that was named for you like this is the highest honor and the highest prestige and the highest award in mm-hmm. this sport and you're referring to it as a piece of metal so are you telling me that every other world series ever won is like nothing like it doesn't mean anything because it was just a piece of metal like it just everything he said was absolute garbage and he's because i mean obviously the the decisions that he made were stupid the players absolutely need to be punished on this one and the fact that jim crane is coming out and saying that you know oh the, the game wasn't affected by by what we did and it's like well yeah it, it was affected you know there are you know there aaron judge probably should have gotten an mvp at some point, and you know, I think what was it like 2017, and he and he didn't get it because of Jose Altuve and his cheating. And you know, there are pitchers that are not in the league right now that would probably still be in the league if the Astros weren't, you know, hitting dingers off of them left and right because they were stealing their signs. Like it was just, like the whole thing was just absolutely angering. And it just here's the thing, Brittany, you might mm-hmm. actually get your. XLB this year because there have been multiple players that have come out and pretty much said that the Astros better watch out. Uh, Nick Markakis said that they all deserve to be beaten, which some harsh words from, you know, from Nick Nick Markakis to the point where there's a betting line in Vegas. Uh, the over under did what? Well, actually, no, I put it in the rundown, so that's not going to work. But I was going to ask you to take a guess on the over under uh, at Vegas, what the, uh, the amount of beaned batters is going to be they have they have the betting line set at like 83 and a half so that's essentially every other that's i mean there's 162 games in in baseball so that's essentially saying that there's going to be at least one batter beaned every other game listen this is all (laughs) great news for me this is exactly (laughs) what i wanted so and you know what can i just make a point and i don't even know if it's a good one um, because I don't, none of this really means that much to me, but, you know, everyone's talking about how he's such a bad commissioner. I don't think anyone's talked about baseball this much in years, Meredith. Yeah. No, you're absolutely right. You're, I mean, the past two months, not, yeah. uh, yeah, has it been two months? It feels like it's been the past 10 years, but yeah, for several weeks, this has been a very hot topic all over the country and And the fact that he's doing it seems like he's doing everything just to further piss people off (laughs) and granted he's putting he's actually kind of putting lives in danger at this point because if you don't lay down the law you're leaving it up to players to like 
self-police is what they're doing. That's it. That's that's what you're doing. So and this is not going to end well, but it will get people watching. It's already got people talking. I might even tune in to, you know, see these players. I want to see like baseball should be like wrestling and I'm ready to see it. (laughs) This is everything I've ever wanted. And, you know, I, I, this commissioner that I didn't even know existed until last <laughs> week. And that means something, too, yeah. because someone like me, I never pay attention to this stuff. All of a sudden, I know this guy. Up to yeah. that point, I thought that Bud Selig was still the commissioner. <laughs> so, so here comes this new guy. Well, new to me. Yeah. And all of a sudden, he's like, oh, I'm not going to do anything. He's disrespectful. And, you know, I make jokes about baseball fans being weird and stuff. But, you know, you guys are very traditional when it comes to the sport you're very traditional you like you know it's all sort of like romantic to you guys and like that's i'm not making i'm not even making fun of that that's just like you know that's what baseball is it's it's classic it's you know makes America's you fall pastime. in love yeah like you know gr- that's wonderful i used to feel that way about baseball too so i understand um but maybe someday we we'll get you yeah. back it, they almost got me back when i went to the all-star game in that July. was yeah that was so good and i think also yeah. what helped with the all-star game is it was just absolutely perfect weather it that was. weekend oh my gosh it like, was beautiful like cleveland is sunny like 10 days a year and three of them yeah. happened to be during the all-star it break. was honestly it was like <laughs> breathtaking that whole experience i went for like the celebrity softball game and um i didn't i wasn't there for the home run which ever since i was little going to the home run derby has always been like one of the top 10 on my bucket list they always want to go to home run derby and mm-hmm. that's the one thing that i still no matter what i watch that every i don't even watch nba festivities like i do you know with the home run derby that's like my thing forever um well yeah, so yeah people like love they, they, people yeah. love dingers they want to see people hit dingers they love it that, that's it and you know I almost came back, but then, you know, the novelty wore off. But now I might tune in some games outside of like Indians games. So. Yeah. And I, and I think if, well, if major league baseball is not smart, but mm-hmm. I think at this point, if maybe you might need to leave it up to the individual teams, but you're right. I, I think that there's going to be a lot more eyes on baseball now because of this. And if the players are smart and the owners are smart and maybe if rob manfred has an underlying plan this is the time where you try to make your sport exciting where you try to you know this is the part where you can start marketing your players and start doing this is all part of the plan meredith maybe Maybe this is where it starts Yeah, like if you've got more eyes on your sport, this is how you grow it. You know, I yeah. I have a lot of friends. I have got a good lot of friends who, you know, didn't grow up hockey fans. And, you know, I kind of push it on them because I'm pushy like that. And hockey is my favorite sport. And you bring them to games mm-hmm. and you kind of show them how much fun hockey is. And then all of a sudden you've got these lifelong fans. And I mean, and that's how you grow the game. Like say what you want about bandwagon fans, but I am all for bandwagon fans when it means it's someone who maybe wasn't interested in the sport before but they're interested in it now you Mm -hmm. know because this is i mean if if baseball wants to you know if they don't want to be last in line anymore this is the time to really to really make a name for themselves in a good way and not a bad way but you know the, the the whole thing with the astros cheating is it's just it's such a bad look in you know just all around like players are pissed um so, rightfully yeah. so oh lebron james came out tonight did you see that no i didn't <gasps> he came out on twitter and hold on let me find it because it was a good one but you know before we get to that like um 
you know, you said Mike Trout said something. Who, by the way, baseball has done, Major League Baseball has done a huge disservice to everyone by not marketing Mike Trout the way they should for years. Um, if I saw yeah. him walk down the street, I wouldn't know who he was. And that's such a shame because, you know, he's he, he's like a, a once-a-generation player. Like, the fact that, you know, you can't pick him out of a crowd, the casual, you know, I would, if I am a casual fan even, I don't know. <laughs> But you know, maybe I, I maybe we're to. gonna maybe we'll bring you back with this, especially when the Astros yeah. are in town. Because I mean, the betting line is eighty three and a half. Uh, I'm wondering if forty or more of those are gonna be just for Jose Altuve because he's yeah. kind of because he's kind of at the forefront uh, of a lot of this anger, especially since he won the MVP over Aaron Judge. Um, you know, and I think there was also I forget who it was. It may have been like. I don't even remember because there's just so many people coming out on the Astro side trying to defend them, you know, saying that Jose Altuve claimed that he didn't want the banging trash cans. But if you go back and look, you can see that he actually did get I don't know. And then you've got the baseball nerds whom I love to death, but they're showing all the stats of all the times the trash can was banged. So, I mean, it's just. Yeah. Oh, my God. Okay, So, so LeBron, this is what he said. He mm -hmm. said, listen, I know I don't play baseball, but I am in sports, and I know if someone cheated me out of winning the title and I found out about it, I would be effing irate. I mean, like, uncontrollable about what I would slash could do. Listen here, baseball commissioner. That's, that's strong. Listen here, baseball yeah. commissioner. <laughs> he doesn't listen. even know who it is. He I goes, know. Baseball, baseball commissioner. <laughs> See, he's just like me. He doesn't know who this guy is. <laughs> listen here, baseball commissioner. Listen to your players speaking today about how disgusted, mad, hurt, broken, etc. they are about this. Literally, the ball, and he used a baseball emoji, is in your court, or should I say field. And you need to fix this for the sake of sports. And then his hashtag is my favorite. Are you ready for this? Yeah. Hashtag, just my thoughts coming from a sports junkie, regardless my own sport I play. <laughs> That's the whole hashtag. That's it. That's all one hashtag. Oh, my God. LeBron is such a dad sometimes, and I love it. Yeah. Like, he's like... He's, he is such a dad. It's great. It it's amazing. But yeah, like even you have LeBron James talking about it. Like, wow, baseball. Yeah. You are in unintentionally doing a great job right now. Well, uh, and I think this is where we'll leave the baseball discussion because I had some Francisco Lindor stuff on the rundown, but uh, it's it's a, it's the same stuff. You know, he came out and said he wants to stay in Cleveland. He wants to play in Cleveland. Mm -hmm. He wants to win in Cleveland. Same same old, same old. And one of the quotes that he did say um, that I found very telling um, was that he said, you know, the team is not broke. The league is not broke. There's money. If it makes sense for both sides, it's going to happen. Like, I think that's mm -hmm. very telling uh, about how aware Francisco Lindor is about everything. So, yeah, we, we might get more into that next week, especially since um, spring training actually officially starts on Saturday. The Indians will be playing the Reds. So, that'll, yeah. yeah. We'll have some actual, even though it may not necessarily be great baseball, it'll be actual baseball. But we can leave this discussion here in saying that, um, all eyes are on this league right now, and I think what they do is going to determine the future of the league because I think one of the most harsh headlines that I have seen was the headline that um, one of the national writers wrote was baseball is burning, and they're not wrong. So if yeah. they take this opportunity to m maybe try to correct mistakes, and then if they take this opportunity while everyone is watching them to bring in new fans and to keep the new fans then you know their their future is in their hands at this point and i think you know what happens over the next few weeks and months 
is really go- going to determine whether or not the sport is headed in a good or a bad direction. For sure. All right. Are you ready for the questions? I am ready. So we've got right. our, yeah, we've got our uh, ask me anything. Essentially, we did a quick AMA on Twitter today and it's uh, brought to you by betonline.ag. Uh, betonline.ag is your online sportsbook expert you can use promo code not blomo code but promo code <laughs> blue wire all one word for a 50 percent off welcome bonus all right thank you guys for sending these we had so many and like they're all such good ones i can only pick so many because you know i can't just we unfortunately we can't just talk to you all night guys i know i was happen. really i was I'll, i will say i was really really happy with the quality of questions that came in yeah like, we got like some sh- good ones now first of all shout out to me- everybody on twitter that sent yes. in a good quality question yes um one thing we got a lot of questions about the draft both nba and nfl um i'm just gonna be straight up right now i haven't paid that much attention to it so like those questions <laughs> they're lost on me give me a couple weeks you know once i'm back in ohio and i'm depressed and there's something you know a void i need to fill i'll start looking at draft stuff so. <laughs> well we'll try weeks, to make sure we'll try to make sure you're not depressed we'll right? give you a big warm happy <laughs> welcome back to cleveland <laughs> all right let's let's do some easy ones for okay meredith mm-hmm. what's your all-time favorite sports movie Oh my god! I so I I saw that question and I'm and I've been thinking about it and I'm st- I am still thinking about it. Um, but the there are two that immediately come to mind. Um, they're both movies from my childhood and I think they kind of shaped my love of sports in my two favorite sports. So I would say the top two because I can't pick between them uh, would either be The Sandlot, which mm-hmm. you know is an all time classic sports movie, yes. and then the other one which will forever be one of my favorite sports movies is the mighty ducks so you know my two my yeah my my two favorite sports and my two favorite sports movies because i think those definitely had a huge influence on my sports fandom as a child solid choice you know what mine is i thought about this i've been thinking about it actually it really didn't take me long to figure it out because this is when i was growing up this was like my favorite you know what See, Back it's track. hard. There are so there many are two. really high quality. There's so yeah. so many really high quality sports movies in existence. And I'll use this opportunity to give another plug. I do this all the time, but I have to plug um, our, our our guy, Kyle Banduho. He does a podcast called Big Screen Sports on our Blue Wire Network, where he breaks down the validity of the sports action in these sports movies. So if, if that's your thing, highly recommend it. So, you know, like and he's able to do multiple podcasts a week sometimes because there's that many sports movies out there all right so my two yes what are your favorites (laughs) um number one the sixth man have you ever seen it no i haven't seen that one i feel like nobody everyone sleeps on this movie and guys like this is such a great little film It, it was it's from the 90s um as all great sports movies are. <laughs> Seriously. Uh, I'm not going to give away any spoilers, but it's the first movie that ever like made me emotional as a child. Uh, it's a basketball movie, of course, Six mm-hmm. Man, uh, about the Washington Huskies. A great film. I've probably seen it like a hundred times. So I've definitely seen that one more than the other one. But my number two choice is Little Giants. <gasps> yes. Oh, my God. I love that movie. Little Giants. Yes. Spike was the love of my life. Yes. Oh, that was such a great movie. I mean, we could, yeah, we could t- 
talk Spike all night was a about... definite Dale, by the way. <laughs> yeah, it's amazing that I loved him so much because he was definitely a football guy. Yeah, he. Uh, I think he shaped the Dales of today. He did. They <laughs> they watched the Little Giants one too many times. Spark yeah. don't play with girls. Come here, ice chest. <laughs> 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 oh my god that was such a great movie it was um okay now i don't know if i should like i'll ask you but this is a okay. cleveland like super cleveland question okay if you could go back in time and change one piece of cleveland sports history what would it be and why yeah i mean that's that's tough um just because i didn't grow up in cleveland but i would say the two there are two that stick out to me i think one obviously is um art model selling the team um and the and the reason i bring that one up is because i have seen my father cry twice in my life uh once was when my grandmother died and then the other was when art model sold the team um so my my dad is an insanely stoic person so to see him cry like that especially with how young i was at the time and you know you're, you're little and you know he's a girl dad so he's my superhero and then all of a sudden just to see him just as emotional as he is like i just i don't like seeing my dad like that so you know i i would change that and i think also for the sake of cleveland as well because i you know say what you want about cleveland ohio like the the fans did not deserve that at all yeah um, so I think that's one. And I think the other was the rain delay from the 2016 World Series because I, I yeah, I, I it would have made me as a baseball fan and as someone with Cleveland roots very happy to see the Indians win that World Series. Like I was and I was living in Nashville at the time and I was dating a guy who was a Cubs fan. So we were out at the bars every other night watching those games and so i mean i didn't i mean art it didn't last much longer than that and baseball isn't necessarily i guarantee you baseball isn't the reason why but he was so annoying when we were watching these baseball games because he wasn't even from chicago he was it was just one of those like oh well i just i just want to see them win like why why do you want to see them win like what, what connection do you have to the to the fucking Cubs? Excuse my language. What what connection do you have to the Cubs that you want to see them bomb? I know. I was so mad, but I promise the reason we stopped seeing each other was not because of those baseball games. But yeah, I would have liked to have seen the Indians take home a title in in twenty sixteen. I wanted to see the summer of Cleveland, the Cavs and the Monsters, the Indians and Stepe. That would have been amazing. But yeah. that would have been amazing. That would have been something. Um, I'd say, let me think about this one piece. Okay. This is not going to be a great answer because it's a very selfish answer. Mm -hmm. (laughs) But the one thing I would change, and it would just be the entire outcome of something. Okay. The 2007 Indians, Mm -hmm. the 2007 Indians were like, they are at my heart and soul. They were my favorite team of any sport of all time. I loved that team so much. And the fact that they made it so far that year, and then they were playing um, the Red Sox, and then they just completely collapsed. I think they were up three to one. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. and that, three, that three to one is such, I know, a, I such know. a ratio they, here in Cleveland. They did it. And the worst part was that uh, I had tickets to the World Series, which going, like, as I've said wow. before, the Indians were like, uh, I was obsessed with them. So like, you know, my whole life and all I had the I had tickets waiting for me to go to the World Series and then they were up three to one and me and my sister were like, 
you know, buying shirts to make and stuff <laughs> to go to the World <laughs> Series. We were so excited. And at the time, I was dating a Red Sox fan, too. So he's like, Ugh. you know, yeah, exactly. And he's, you, you might not want to get ahead of yourself here, blah, blah, blah. I was like, yeah. oh, shut up. I, we're going. But then, and it never happened. Yeah, and it's, a, it's okay. They, I dated, I dated a Cubs fan. We clearly have our flaws. Oh gosh, <laughs> but yeah, I would just change everything about 2007. I, I would, I wish they could have won that year because after that, you know, the Red Sox went on. They played the Rockies, and the Rockies mm-hmm. were a team that they got hot at the right time, and then they didn't. They got yeah. real cold. The Indians would have beat the Rockies, and I just, I wish so bad that I could have that back and just, you know, rewrite history for that season. That's my answer. Now, that's actually a really good answer. Like, I know you say it's selfish, but that was a fantastic answer. I mean, I was very passionate about that team. That was my favorite team, man. Mm-hmm. Still emotional about it. All right. What's next? Mm, you want some? Ooh, this is a good one. Okay. <laughs> well, it's kind of a depressing one. Okay. <laughs> this is from at Mick Redskins, which is a great name. Oh, my God. Are they a Redskins <laughs> fan? I don't know. He's they the, should be a DC Defenders fan. <laughs> said, I want to know how Valentine's Day was for you beautiful ladies. Did you get dinner made for you? Did you get flowers? Did you get berries? <laughs> um, well, I'm still very single, so no to that last one. Um, no to flowers. I've never gotten flowers ever in my life. Ever? ever? N- never. Oh, I've never had a boyfriend or someone that I've been dating get me flowers. Um, Do you tell them at the beginning... Oh, I don't like flowers. No, I don't even say anything about flowers ever at all. I just, you know, it's just never a topic of conversation that comes up. Um, Guys, wow. Even I've gotten flowers. Yeah. no, And I'm like a terrible person. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And then, uh, well, I was working on Valentine's Day. So (laughs) I was working a late shift uh, on Valentine's. So, um, yeah, I don't know if that's a good or a bad thing. I didn't get dinner made for me. I, I went to, uh, I think I went to the grocery store and picked up a sandwich or something to eat at work. So that was my Valentine's Day is um, a grocery store sandwich and working. How was yours? You know what? I, me and my friend down here, well, she's like technically family, Jenna. Yes. Um, we went and got a, a 60 piece chicken nugget tray. Oh my gosh. Wow. No, yeah. we it cheap? each. Pro- no, it was. Perfect. Was it cheap? But like, like a heart? I, it wasn't because the oh. only heart shaped ones they had were like 24 pieces. And we had, it was us and, you know, our, our moms are here and um, my brother was here and the girls. So it's like a whole family thing. But we went and got, this is what we do every year when I'm here. Um, God forbid I ever get a boyfriend and I have to break this <laughs> tradition because this is going to be a tough one to break. Uh, so we went there. We got our Chick Chick Fil A chicken nugget tray, um, and that's that's pretty much it. I don't. I mean, I don't really do Valentine's Day. Oh, I, someone did send me um, five dollars to get coffee on them. Aww. So that was really nice. I know that's really that sweet. was very sweet. I know. So yeah. Um, well, one of my so one of my coworkers, one of the ladies who works on the office side. Um, She's like my second mom and she like lectures me and all the time, all the time when I, you know, do make stupid decisions. And, you know, she's kind of since my parents live so far away, like anytime I've needed someone, she's been there for me. So she got me a pair of earrings. I forgot about that. But yeah, she got me like one of those cute little like the Valentine's that like everyone in your class got. And so she got like one of those for me and then a pair of earrings to go with it. So I did get a, a present on Valentine's from um 
someone as I consider my second mom. And then my actual mom got me a, and I, I don't have it yet because my parents are currently in Florida, but um, she got me a Virginia Tech throw blanket, which I'm sure she'll bring to me next time they come visit. So those, yeah, those, are my, Valentine's, those are my Valentine's present from my mom and my second mom. That's so cute. Yeah. <laughs> um, okay, last question. And this is, we could actually probably make a whole like this could be its own section on a rundown eventually yeah. and i would I'm love actually, to hear i'm kind of looking at this Brie last question this. i know i'm kind of looking at your last question on the list and i'm like hmm, that one looks like a lot of fun to answer okay <laughs> let me we're gonna do this one first okay. the last one we're definitely gonna answer because it's funny but yeah. i'm gonna set this up so that because i don't want this person to think that this doesn't because i said it's a very good question um this is from at 33 milner I said, why is there a civil war amongst fans of each team in Cleveland on Twitter? Like Indians fans will mm-hmm. argue with Browns fans or vice versa. I want to answer this question, but we're going to have to do that like next week, I think. Because yeah. I can go, I can rant about this for probably 20 minutes. And I actually, I look forward to doing that because I'm very passionate about this specific thing. So we'll do that next week. But thank you for that question. It's a very good Yeah. One. Well, I mean, okay. and also what's good is that like you're kind of like an insider perspective on this from being born and raised in the area. Like, I'm a little bit of an outsider perspective, having only lived here for three years. So, like, I I kind of look at it from the outside looking in sometimes, and I kind of have uh, some ideas. So I'm definitely going to write those down for next week. Yes. And we need Brie to weigh in on this, too. Because I think she, you know. She would definitely have opinions on this. Yeah. And it's going to be a good, uh, I think everyone will appreciate, well, not everyone. Some people (laughs) will appreciate what we have to say about that. (laughs) Indians fans might not appreciate what I have to say. (laughs) <laughs> all right so last question this is a good one and it's from at charles bald pity that's i'm sorry i don't know bald pity all right after a few drinks of the three of us who's the happy one who cries and who wants to fight everybody <laughs> okay i think we could both agree that brie would be the happy one yeah i mean do, do you want to take this one first or do you want me to take it <laughs> I'm gonna say, yeah, I'll, I'll go first. Okay. I'm gonna say, um, after a few drinks, Brie would be the happy one because her life's the most put together. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, you know, she's like super mom with the super dad and she's adorable little kids. Like, she's got, she's mastered life. She works very hard. She has an awesome job. Like, Brie's a queen. She's yes. good. So, you know, if she is drunk, happy drunk. Good times. Yeah. Um, me and Meredith. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to say, oh. Meredith, you would be the one to fight everyone. <laughs> so that's yes. um, kind of accurate. So I would say with me, I think it like depends on who I'm around. Uh-huh. Um, you know, if I'm around like you and Brie, I'm going to be like the I love everybody because I'm, you know, surrounded by people yeah. that I absolutely adore. But <laughs> If I'm around someone who has made me mad or is pissing me off or, you know, then like then it turns into like She-Hulk very quickly. So, you know, yes. I think it's, you know, and I, so I think for me, I think it depends on because I mean, I'm absolutely an extrovert, which makes sense as, as a drunk. So it depends on like who's around me. So, you know, if someone is being mean to me, I'm going to cry. If someone is pissing me off, I'm going to want to fight them. And then if I'm yes. you know around you and and brie and any of our other friends i'm gonna be like i love you guys so much (laughs) well i think the last time you and i went out i actually did end up crying didn't i um yeah (laughs) yeah you did so 
<laughs> which by the way which reminds me i was going through some things on my phone and i know that i'm derailing this a little bit but i found a picture of the two of us from that time that i don't remember taking oh and god it's oh actually... somebody sent me a picture of this <laughs> i honest i'm gonna send you this afterward because it's okay. like the worst photo of me of all time oh, and goodness. he sent it to me and i was like oh no oh no dear <laughs> please don't ever gracious. show anyone that <laughs> but yeah so i guess you're you're the crier of the group when it comes to drinking yeah i it, it, it's same with you like it depends on who i'm around yeah so if i'm you know with somebody that's upsetting me then i'm probably i'll probably start crying i might start crying anyway so i'm a happy crier too yeah sometimes i get really happy and that makes me cry so you know i'm just pretty emotional naturally so yeah well that concludes our uh, Ask the Bees Anything segment. Uh, it's brought to you by betonline.ag. Remember to use promo code BLUEWIRE, that's all one word, for your 50% off welcome bonus at betonline.ag. So thanks for tuning in this week, guys. Uh, we'll be back next week. Bree will be back next week to be Yay. our point guard again. <laughs> I'm, I'm sorry if this <laughs> was terrible. I tried my best. And uh, no, good job. You, thank you. You were great. <laughs> thank you, Meredith. I, you did a great job doing this rundown. Um, be sure to like, subscribe, share, leave a review, interact with us on Twitter because we, yeah. we love the Twitter interactions. Yeah. Thanks. See you next week.